Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the fourth season of Heart to Heart with Anna. The website, www.congenitalheartdefects.com, has a listing of over 40 different congenital heart defects. One of those heart defects is Epstein's anomaly. This is a rare heart defect that is congenital or present at birth. As with most congenital heart defects, there is a range of conditions that are classified under the heading Epstein's anomaly, with some being more severe than others and some needing surgery in infancy. While some of the forms of Epstein's anomaly can allow people to lead fairly normal lives until adulthood. The one condition for a person to be labeled with Epstein's anomaly is having a faulty tricuspid valve. The common situation is that the valve, which is between the atrium and ventricle on the right side of the heart, is not formed correctly and therefore leaks. In fact, the valve may not even be in the correct position in the heart. The amount of leaking is frequently what determines the severity of the condition and or additional heart defects, such as a hole in the heart known as an atrial septal defect. The more the valve leaks, the more blood backs up to the rest of the body, causing swelling of the belly and legs an enlarged liver, and difficulty breathing. There is also the possibility of the mixing of blue and red blood, meaning that the person will not have the proper amount of oxygenated blood coursing through their body, and thus they may appear cyanotic or blue. One of the worst dangers with the blood passing between the chambers in this irregular manner is a possibility of clots forming, which could cause a stroke in the brain or surrounding tissue further damaging the heart. As with many congenital heart defects, those born with Epstein's anomaly may also suffer from arrhythmias. Some people born with Epstein's anomaly also have a condition known as Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, which involves an abnormal electrical pathway in the heart. The presence of WPW syndrome can lead to fast heart rates and fainting spells. Just like with many other heart defects, the exact cause of Epstein's anomaly is unknown. According to Dr. David Adams' article on Drugs.com, there's been a link between mothers taking lithium or benzodiazepines having babies with Epstein's anomaly. Otherwise, we simply do not know what gene or environmental factors are responsible for Epstein's anomaly. According to the Epstein's Anomaly Foundation, experts estimate that Epstein's anomaly occurs in one out of every 200,000 children. However, since some cases of Epstein's anomaly are so mild that they don't require intervention, this is most likely a conservative number. 
Clearly, there are many people affected by Epstein's anomaly, which is why our topic today, turning despair to creation, making lemonade from lemons in the CHD community, is so important. To discuss this topic with us today is Epstein's anomaly survivor, Christine Cordelis. Christine Cordelis was born with Epstein's anomaly. She lived a relatively normal life from childhood through early adulthood. In her early 30s, she had her first open-heart surgery to repair her tricuspid valve and place a pacemaker. From 2012 to 2013, she had three additional heart surgeries to again repair her tricuspid valve, place a new, more robust pacemaker system, and deal with other complications. During Christine's recovery from 2012 to 2013, she decided to change the direction of her career. She had been working successfully in the corporate world, and she pursued instead a certificate as a nutrition consultant. She also developed and launched My Heart App, the free app for heart patients and their doctors. Christine holds a Bachelor of Arts degree and a Master's degree in Interdisciplinary Arts. She is also a certified nutrition consultant, specializing in working with clients who have heart disease. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Christine. Thank you so much, Anna. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today and with your community of listeners. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about Epstein's anomaly. I had no idea exactly what was involved with this heart defect because I really think you're the first person that I've talked to as an adult who has this anomaly. I saw in your bio that you were born with this, but I'm wondering when you were actually diagnosed with your heart defect. That's a great question. And I think your comment about never meeting anybody else with Epstein's is such a great thing to say because I myself had never met any other Epstein's patients until several years ago at a congenital heart disease conference, so that was really exciting. I was born with this defect, and I had been returned home from the hospital right after birth, and it was once my parents got me home that I became cyanotic and turned that dusky blue. And at first they just thought Mm -hmm. I was cold or that, you know, I was just chilly, so they tried to heat me up. They wrapped me up in blankets, but I continued to stay that dusky shade of blue, and they returned with me to the hospital, and it was at that point that I was diagnosed with Epstein's. What year was that? It was in 1965, which kind of looking back, I'm actually very surprised that it was an accurate diagnosis given that it was 1965, right? right? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking because I'm thinking, I bet they didn't have echocardiograms back then, and so I wonder how it was they were able to make that diagnosis. I feel very fortunate that whoever that cardiologist was knew what was going on, <laughs> so it was very well, good Well, and, you know, when I was doing my research on Epstein's anomaly, this is actually named after a doctor who, if I'm not mistaken, identified this in the 1800s. So they didn't have nearly the tests that we have today. I know that the doctors listen for different kinds of clicks and problems when you're listening with a stethoscope to your heart. And so probably that tricuspid valve having a problem makes a distinctive sound. That's what I'm guessing. But that's that's fabulous. So even in 1965, they were able to make a correct diagnosis. And so what did they tell your parents? They said it was a watch and wait situation, and that truly is what it turned out to be. So my parents were made aware of what to watch for, particularly shortness of breath, fatigue, and being tired, and obviously the turning blue, the cyanotic signs. So they were just given instructions to watch and wait, and I was brought in annually for exams and checkups, and I was tracked 
very carefully until I was about seven or eight years old. And then it was that point between seven and my early 20s that I sort of dropped off the map of tracking my condition because it's those years when you're in school and then you go off to college. And it's at that time it was very easy to lose that continuity of care. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that does seem to be a problem. Even today, it seems to be a problem with so many of our CHD patients, especially when, and this is ironic, but when they're doing well. It's almost like, oh, there's nothing to remind you that, oh, we better have that annual checkup because you don't look blue, because you're not having fainting spells, because you're not complaining of chest pain or having any other obvious symptoms. And so I think it would be really easy to overlook that. So you said that this happened until you were in your early 20s. What happened in your early 20s? In my early 20s, I began experiencing shortness of breath, near fainting spells, even when not active, fatigue, A little bit of cyanosis and definitely arrhythmias, sort of a galloping sensation in my chest. And it was very interesting because all through college, I was very active and studied dance and was dancing and performing ballet and modern dance rigorously. And it was right around that time, right at the mid to late 20s, that I started to experience those symptoms on a regular basis. You look like a dancer. When I saw your picture, I thought, she looks like a ballerina. (laughs) Thank you. Good posture. That's one thing that has remained, is the good posture. Well, good. So it sounds like at that point, did you remember having been a little kid or did you call your mom and say, Mom, I don't know what's wrong and she reminded you or how did that work? No, I was aware. I was very aware at that time that I did have a congenital heart disease. I was, of course, not as well-versed in understanding my condition at that point, but I took myself to the hospital and was taken to an adult congenital unit, and at that point, I was able to sort of get myself back on track with regular checkups and having a congenital heart team working with me really closely. And at that point, I really started doing a lot of self-educating, asking a lot of questions, finding as many resources as I could to educate myself on my own conditions so that I could really own and take responsibility for my own health and well-being along with my medical team. Wow, you sound like the ideal patient. Oh, (laughs) thank you. That's so great that you were able to just take charge like that and to decide, okay, I knew I was born with this, I've been lucky so far, I better take charge before something worse happens. And it sounds to me like you just grabbed the bull by the horns and took care of it. So that makes me curious. You said you were a dancer, and it sounds like... Living a healthy lifestyle has been something that's just been a natural part of your life. So what exactly caused you to go into nutrition? That's such a great question. There are two parts to this answer. The first is that I've always had a passion for food and cooking, and I come from a Greek family that has always had the Mediterranean diet as just a normal way of life, and food and culture always happened around the table in my family. So that was just a natural affinity towards food and healthiness, healthy living. But while I was in the hospital in 2013 and recovering from that third surgery, my cardiologist came in and said, we really need to talk about what you want the rest of your life to look like. Because my previous career had been in a very high stress, very physically active corporate 
world where I had been very successful, but that lifestyle was just not something that I could return to. So I really had to sit with myself and think about what do I want the rest of my life to look like and how can I serve my community of fellow congenital heart disease patients. And I really felt a strong sense of wanting to give back to my community. I just decided, wow, that if I can merge these two objectives together, that I would be striking out on the right path. And as you said, living a healthy lifestyle is very important to me, and I wanted to share that with other people. And that's why I entitled your episode, (laughs) Turning Lemons into Lemonade, because some people might have just despaired. Here they worked so hard to create this awesome opportunity for themselves in the corporate world, and now they're being told, I can't do that. And it would have been so easy for some people to despair, but it sounds to me like you just took those lemons and made lemonade out of it and found a way to be compassionate to others in the same situation you were in and bring something good from your own life. It sounds to me like having this Greek family background and this love of food and family and the comfort that all of that can bring, being able to share that with others is such a huge gift. Thank you. That, of course, feels so good to hear, and that validation is always such a yummy, wonderful feeling. And part of it for me is... I really have a great affinity with my medical team, with my cardiology team, with my surgeon and my cardiologist and my device clinic technicians. Like All of us work together really well. And I think about them every day, that they've spent their education and their life serving people with heart disease, with congenital heart disease specifically, and that I felt the need to be part of that conversation. And they've done all this hard work to take such good care of me. I felt the need to take good care of myself in return and help take good care of the community of congenital heart disease patients. It just felt like the right thing to do and the right time to be able to do it. So thank you for saying that. Well, this is a perfect place for us to stop. We have to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet. When we come back, Christine will tell us how she came to create an app for smartphones and what it does when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with adult congenital heart defect survivor Christine Cordelis about turning despair to creation, making lemonade from lemons in the CHD community. And I have so enjoyed talking with Christine so far. I can't wait for her to tell us how she created this app. I mean, this is something that is so new to me. I have a smartphone. I'm learning how to use all different kinds of apps, but I've never tried to create one myself. So Christine, how did you get the idea to create this? 
<laughs> I love this question so much. I was in a device check appointment. They were checking the device settings on my pacemaker, and I was sitting there thinking, gosh, there has to be an easier way to remember my symptoms than toting in my giant binder or bringing in a stack of Post-it notes or just trying to remember what had happened. So that was the moment that the idea clicked. And then it was many years, fast forward many, many years before I decided I needed to create it myself. Okay. Well, that's pretty ambitious. I am a writer myself, and so I tend to carry post-it notes, like you're saying, and binders and <laughs> all of that. In fact, my family teases me because I put things in plastic sleeves. I like everything organized. <laughs> but did you take a class in how to make an app? Or I'm just so curious how you thought to do something like this. And I love it. By the way, everybody has to go out and check out her site. It is so neat. I'm going to let you give the address for it, but it'll also be a link on the Heart to Heart with Anna bios page under Christine's name. So look for episode one and Christine and you can just click. It'll be so easy. You won't even have to type it in. But I love all the little icons that you have for the different symptoms. I love the little horse for the galloping heart. And <laughs> this is just so adorable. So tell us how you came up with the whole design. It's really creative. Thank you. Yes. So as I said, I had the idea several years ago. And then from 2012 to 2013, I had these three surgeries back to back to back, which gave me a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I thought, you know, there needs to be an easier way. We all know that when we go to our cardiology appointments, we're asked three questions. What were your symptoms since the last time you were here? How long did those symptoms last? And what were you doing at the time of your symptoms? And so I searched and searched and figured there had to be an app out there that did this, and there wasn't. So I brainstormed about what I wanted it to look like, what I needed it to do, and then I hired an engineer to actually build the back end of the app and hired a designer to create the look and feel of the app. And I'm so happy to hear that you like that user interface because that was extremely important to me is I wanted the app to be friendly and something that heart patients would be happy and excited to use instead of making it look too medical or too technical. I wanted it to be something that anybody who had a smartphone would be able to pick up and use on a daily basis and just make it really fun and friendly for people. So, and that's you know. the way that I felt. When you look at it, it's definitely user-friendly, and that's something that you want to have with these apps and the smartphones is you don't want something where you have to read a 10-page manual to even figure out what to do. I could look at this on your website, and I could tell exactly what to do. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is such a great idea, and I'm sure it's deceptive in its simplicity. I'm sure it took you a long time to figure out how to make it look so simple, but I was surprised how many different symptoms you were able to fit on your app average phone. I thought, wow, that's just amazing. How did you come up with that? It's really interesting. I had a very clear vision for what I wanted the icon symptoms to look like. like I knew that they needed to have certain color palette and look a certain way. So I made, I'm a terrible artist, like really terrible artist, but I made all these funny little line drawings of what I wanted each symptom to look like. And I sent the mm -hmm. sketches to the designer and she was able to really capture the spirit of what I was looking for just beautifully. And it was such fun to work with her because she was able to really precisely understand that look and feel that I was going for. And then from the technical side, I needed the app to be able to functionally be able to time a person's symptoms. And then the really cool part is when a person goes into their appointments, they can either sort 
their symptom history by date or by symptom type. So when you're sitting there with your cardiology team, it's really easy to say, oh, I had fluttering on these seven dates and it lasted for this long, or I had galloping on these two dates and the symptoms lasted for X amount of time. And it makes it just very concise and consistent. So that was also important, that could actually be functionally helpful. Oh, I just love that. And didn't you also have something on your website where you said that your doctor could have an interface with you? Is there some way that your doctor can access that information as well? That is definitely next phase. I'm really looking to gather information from people who've been using this app to help me decide how to develop it further. And one of the asks that everybody has had is, is there a way to send this information directly to our medical team? So that would definitely be the next iteration in this app. So once well, I gather- I'm just anticipating what you're doing. <laughs> Because <laughs> I thought I saw that on there, but that's just oh, me being a step ahead of it. <laughs> that's okay. Wishful thinking will get us there, definitely. <laughs> yes. I just love it. And I love the fact that you're interacting with the people who are using it and that they've given you that suggestion. That, to me, just shows how valuable what you've done really is, that people are seeing the value of it and that they want to be able to communicate with their doctors even if they're not right in front of them. This was a pretty in-depth project. Did you beta test it? The beta testing was just on a small group of people. I was pressing really hard to launch the app at the Adult Congenital Heart Conference in Chicago in September of last year. So we beta tested pretty quickly and refined over the next couple of iterations. So we're sort of on like the third or fourth version now, but it took a lot of persistence and took a lot of creativity. I dipped into my own personal funds and then I ran an Indiegogo campaign to raise the funding to complete the project. And it's one of those things I really encourage people if they have a great idea to just find a way to make it happen. That's what I love about your story. It's such an inspiration to hear somebody who was probably at kind of a low point in your life. You had a fairly uneventful childhood, it seems to me, if you weren't even going to regular cardiology appointments. Your heart wasn't at the forefront of your mind until all of a sudden in your mid-20s. So you've gone basically two decades without having to worry, and then all of a sudden, one surgery after another, a galloping heart, you know something's not right. And it must have been really, really scary for you. But instead of allowing the fear to consume you, you took control, and now you're helping other people who have the same condition you have and lots of other different conditions because you don't have to have Epstein's anomaly to use this app. Anybody who has a congenital heart defect where they have arrhythmias can benefit from this app. Isn't that true? That's correct, and that was really the goal of creating this is, number one, it's free. It's free to anyone who has a smartphone. It's available now in Google Play as well as the Apple App Store. So that was very important to me that it be free. The other thing is that anybody can use it. I wanted to make it user-friendly so little kids could use it, teenagers could use it, moms could use it to help track their children's symptoms, and professionals who are stuck in meetings all day would be able to kind of whip out their phone and track symptoms in the middle of their workday. So, yes, it was incredibly important to me that it be accessible to as many people as possible. And in terms of being sort of at a low point, it's really true, but one of the things that I learned is even when we are at a low point in our life, If we dig deep, we'll find a whole other layer in ourselves of strength and resilience and courage. And the deeper I dug into my own 
itself, I realized there were so many more layers underneath of courage, strength, compassion, and just to remember that when we are at those low points. Oh, I just love that. It's so beautiful. I'm a cross-stitcher, and I'm thinking it would be a great piece to cross-stitch. Such a beautiful sentiment. Oh, dear, it's time for another quick commercial break. But don't leave yet. Up next, Christine will have a few more minutes in the studio with me and tell us what she's looking forward to in 2015 when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we're talking with adult congenital heart defect survivor, Christine Cordelis, and I want to thank Christine so much for coming on the show. This has been such a great way for us to start Season 4 of Heart to Heart with Anna. I love having these positive stories, and Christine is so creative with what she has come up with and how she's helping the heart community. So thank you again, Christine, for coming on the show today. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we've been talking about the app, but I didn't have you actually give the address that people can go to. Now, you did say it's available at the iPhone App Store? Yes, it's available at the Apple App Store for iPhones, and it's also, as of January, now in Google Play for folks who have Android phones. And Terrific. The, thank you. I was super excited about that. I was very committed to making sure that our Android phone users could also have this available to them. That's great. And so what is the easiest way for them to find the app? Because I know just going to the Apple Store, there are thousands and thousands of apps. So what is the easiest way for them to find your app? Yes, the easiest way is to type in, in lowercase letters, all one word, my heart app. So it's M-Y-H-E-A-R-T-A-P-P, and the app should pop up. And if they can't find it there, they can always visit my website at www.myheartapp.com, and there's a link to click to the app store on the website. That's how I found it. It was so easy. It's so easy to find Christine's website. And also, I will have the link in the bio section on the Heart to Heart with Anna site. We only have a minute left, Christine. So tell us what we have to look forward to in 2015 regarding Christine Cordelis and my Heart app. That's great. Thank you. I'm just hoping that more people will download it and send me feedback about what they would like to see in the future with the app. And then in terms of my nutrition consulting, this year I'm opening up my client base to doing Skype and and FaceTime sessions. So if somebody else is located across the country, that I would still be able to work with them on nutrition consulting. Well, give them the URL for your nutrition counseling. Absolutely. My website for nutrition consulting is www.christinecortellis.com. Oh, I guess I kind of messed up your last name. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> no worries. Kind of Nobody pronounced Cortellis. it correctly. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, Christine Cortellis, and it is a beautiful site. I love the photographs that you have on there. It's a very peaceful, zen type of site, and I love how now you're going to be opening it up so that not only people in California can benefit from your nutrition counseling, but really anybody 
anywhere in the world exactly. as long as you guys can schedule it at a good time for for both of you. Yeah, exactly. So I want to know, do you feel that your attention to your nutrition has helped to benefit you regarding your heart defect? Absolutely, yes. Food is our fuel. It fuels our wellness. It fuels our body every day. And I strongly believe that having good nutrition practices supports good health, right? Just like exercising to tolerance, even if it's just sitting in a chair and raising our legs, we need to exercise. Same with eating healthfully. It's really important to understand, hey, if you're on diuretics and you're losing electrolytes and minerals, how can I replace that through whole foods that will support my health and well-being? So I encourage everyone to you know, really eat healthfully to support their own wellness journey. I think that's great advice. And I think your app is another way that people can journey in a healthier way. At least they'll be able to document exactly what's going on and when it's happening. They'll be able to give much more precise information to their doctors so the doctors can develop the best plan possible for their patients. This has been such a delightful show. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Anna. It's been a real pleasure. Well, that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern. Until then, find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show, and remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.